0: You're listening to an Airwave Media podcast. For the 15th anniversary of My History Can Beat Up Your Politics, we have a special guest, Richard Bay of The Richard Bay Show. You know him, and uh, I am very proud that he is a listener to the show and a fan of the show. Richard Bay, welcome.
1: Not only a listener and a fan, but an early listener and fan. That's true. I you know I don't know if I've been listening for 15 years but I've been listening for at least 10.
0: Well, it does you can shave 1 year off cuz nobody listened the first year. It was just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am I am happy to have you and I you know how radio is you have vast experience sometimes you're like I think there's this movie where Wolfman Jack is out there in the desert just you know talking into a microphone, and sometimes with podcasting, you know, if you're not doing something like this that we're doing over Skype, it can be very, uh, antisocial, and you wonder if anybody's listening at all, like, you know.
1: (laughs) I think that movie was American Graffiti. That's
0: it, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. yes, (laughs) yes. One of my favorites.
1: All right, so what are we going to talk about, history or politics or both?
0: Well, uh, let's talk about both. I mean, um, a lot of people will know you, but for for a few that don't, we'll just maybe a little bit about um, you did for a, for a long time the Richard Bay Show.
1: I was, but I also had a long career on television. I started in eighty one at mm-hmm. on, uh, CBS. I did a show called Two on the Town, where I had a female co host, and we did all sort of New York fantasy things. I went to training camp with Bucky Dent. I sang at the Ritz with uh, Gary U.S. Bonds and. We we went to the the most expensive studio apartments in Manhattan. And then I did uh, People Are Talking, which was an hour-long live talk show in Philly. I replaced Maury Povich in Philly. And I was there for four years. I loved Philly. I loved the time I spent there. And then I came to New York and I did a show called People Are Talking Here. And People Are Talking in both iterations uh, was really a you know a, a, a local Donahue kind of show. We did uh, celebrity interviews, uh, we did relationships, um, we did some you know fun contests and stuff. Uh, uh, but uh, you know we interviewed some of the you know in fact Jackie Mason who just passed recently. Uh, we did an hour long interview with him and Joan Rivers and Jimmy Carter and Steven Spielberg and. If it was in the front page of the uh, daily tabloid, I had the greatest producers. They would get the guests that morning. The, the Central Park Five, the mother and some of the other people and the, the people that were against them. We had them on on the show when that story was you know was evolving. And I, I, I have to say at the time, I, I was naive enough to think, oh, they confessed. You know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah, they uh, probably did it. it. Everyone says they did it and they ha- Yeah, we 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 think in we thought in different ways then. I mean, you were right in the middle of that kind of creation of talk show of well the talk show as we know it, the right. the um uh, the, uh, well, the with the audience and the microphone and
1: the kind Well, of, actually that kind of talk show has died out, the serious kind of t- topical talk show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the People Are Talking I did in New York was the best show that I did out of anything because I had great producers. Rosemary Henry was the uh, executive producer. And man, I, when I walked into the studio, sometimes I didn't even know who the guest was going to be. And somebody would come in and say, here's the article and you're on in half an hour. And I'd look at it and I go, all right, shot in on 34th Street. By a 9mm, police arrived, two dead. And I'd go out, no teleprompter, and I have a pretty good brain for imprinting. And uh, we just, uh, we're winging it, you know?
0: One of the biggest issues now, like, really, it always was kind of around, but now it's got a name. And you hear so much about cancel culture, as if uh, the only time um, people who had an audience, lost that audience because of some type of outrage. You know, it's only started, I guess, in 2020, 2021, right? It never existed before.
1: Well, that's, of course, uh, BS, to not use the full word. (laughs) We've always had some degree of, as Bill Maher knew when he was canceled, for saying something after 9-11. And uh, my uh, my, uh, last TV show went off the air the day after I had Jennifer Flowers on before uh, Bill Clinton was running for president, and then I was on WABC Radio every day pointing out the fallacious nature of the WMD evidence and the nuclear um, the, the bomb that Sodom was making. It was so it was so knowable. People said, "Oh, everybody thought he had it. No, everybody didn't think he had it. And it was demonstrable. You cannot prove a negative. You can't say you can't prove oh, he doesn't have it. That thing was such a bamboozle. I also, well, uh, all right. So you want to stay with cancel culture? But well, that it, got it, you
0: canceled on. Uh, what Was that that was WABC in ABC New York? WABC Radio. They
1: got rid of everybody.
0: So you've actually gotten you've actually gotten canceled for being doing something something maybe Clinton's didn't like, and then you got canceled for doing something the Bushes didn't like.
1: You know, I'm not important enough to think that Bill Clinton (laughs) woke up and said, what the hell is this guy doing on TV? You know, but, you know, the the media is monitored by the uh, FCC and the FTC. And, you know, they and they were in the process of selling Channel nine. And when it came to W.A.B.C., they fired Lynn, every person that was against the war, they even Lynn Samuels, me, um, even uh, Byron Schaefer was a, uh, a minister who was on Religion Online between a hawkish rabbi and a hawkish um, priest, and they fired him. He was the one peacenik on ABC on Religion Online. And Ron Kuby and Curtis Lewa, of course, were on opposite ends. But every time Ron Kuby would say this is ridiculous and try to point something out, he'd be sent home. Curtis would stay on the show, and Ron Kuby would be sent home. It was, it was Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity would say, Richard, we're going to find so much WMD, it makes your head swim. <laughs> well, today, he's making $25 million a year, and uh, I'm collecting a pension. Well... <laughs> <That's-> <laughs>
0: We're still glad to have you on though. I'd rather have you yeah, on. Right. Uh but uh yeah, I mean, you know, I, I get a little into the politics, especially at that time. And uh when we were talking earlier it'd reference the the Dixie Chicks in this context. And I yeah. find it such a crime. I mean, look at the layers of this, for instance. So the lead singer the the Dixie Chicks uh um uh says something like, I'm embarrassed to be In America, because Bush is president. No, I'm
1: embarrassed to be from the state of Texas, where George... That's exactly...
0: That's what she says. Okay.
1: That's what she said. Not America, but Texas. And this is a comment
0: that I guess that was 2003 or four. By the time you're... First of all, by the time you reach even the tail end of his presidency, 2007, really after Katrina, you could have found any number of people saying that. Even some country singers were saying (laughs) how disappointed they were after Katrina. And then by the time you get to, when I really fast forward and you get to Trump uh, running in t- uh, 2016, in the primaries in particular, and attacking Jeb Bush, it was all about what a mistake to go into a wreck. And it's yeah, incredible right. where we've come, where there, there were, you know, breaking records and taking, really did, uh, they never had a record that sold as well as the, previous I mean, one
1: yeah and even though they made sort of a comeback it was never the same and uh, isn't it ironic that the same people railing about cancel culture were the ones telling their listeners to smash dixie chicks records now well i was on the radio at the time and i shared the studio with sean Hannity. he was on right before me so i brought in uh, bruce willis videotapes and i took a hammer and i said bruce willis wants us to go to war based on faulty evidence I'm smashing (laughs) Bruce Willis movies live on the air. And I'd go, come on, folks, isn't that ridiculous? You know, I like Bruce Willis movies, you know, and, you know.
0: (laughs) I think that there is, like you say, I agree, there was likely available evidence at the time of what direction to take. I think that, you know, Colin Powell goes into the Senate and, I don't know what he tells them. There's rumors that he told him he has a nuke and that scared a lot of the, the, the Warhawk more Warhawky Democrats say. Um, but it seems to me there was available evidence for not, it didn't need to even come out a few years later that, that something different from war say uh, needed to happen. And I think what, what to me, there's a couple of things. One is the contrast between here and Britain and in Britain, it's it's a decided matter, whether you're in the conservative party or whether you're in the labor party or what have you. Everyone just realizes Iraq war is the bad part of their history, where Tony Blair a staying. <laughs> right, right. Here, it really is a middling thing. It reached uh, very low approval levels towards the end there. But what I think you lacked uh, is there was never... I guess it was just decided uh, for convenience. There was never a thorough congressional investigation, official investigation of everything, and putting everything on the table and interviewing people. And whether that had to lead to an impeachment or not, I, I understand. You know, there's always pressure to win that election. They probably wanted to win in 08. and
1: visa. but it's also American amnesia about mm-hmm. the about the the, the embarrassing or. Actually, dangerous parts of our head. It's the same thing people are saying about slavery now. You know, I mean, you have a congressman on on you know on the floor in the in the house, and he goes, "How come we never hear about the good things about slavery?" You know, good lord. I mean, yeah. and people saying, "Oh, you sh-, you know, we have this whole thing about critical race theory, which isn't even taught in the in the uh, in the lower schools." And then you have people saying, oh, everything, the Alamo, some guys wrote a new book about the Alamo, telling the factual information. In fact, you should get them on your podcast oh, because
0: okay. yeah, I've been I to heard look them out. on,
1: it's called Forget the Alamo. Mm-hmm. What he posits is that a lot of this had to do with slavery. Now, I do not buy the 1619 project that the Revolutionary War was fought over slavery. I, th- I think that that's pretty thin. Hard to,
0: hard to sell that when New England was the, the right. center and in about 10 uh, years, Massachusetts yep. would, would ban slavery in 10 years. I don't, I don't, it's hard for me to buy it when the, when the, when the big, but, but I do understand that, obviously, if you're looking at the southern states participating in the revolution.
1: But in Texas, Mexico had banned slavery. This is true, right. And, and Santa Ana wanted to ban slavery in Texas as a, as a province of Mexico, and a lot and some of these people who had were you know Davy Crockett and uh, Jim Bowie and uh, Travis they were all pretty shady characters they weren't coming there motivated by freedom they were coming there motivated by uh, hoping to g- grab some land and some well, and some riches
0: of course my my, I don't know how to call it spidey sense or whatever but my little thing in my head says well there is a to degree of that that is the american way is it not you know there's this right, mix of right, right. you go you, you go west because you do want to acquire something but a couple of things there that i can note one is you know reading a history about texas's giant uh book um, gosh i wish i had it here big wonderful thing it's called amazing huge book about the history of texas first of all the alamo is really big like, if you look at the Disney movies or whatever, you know, it's just like, tiny little thing. I
1: mean, Alamo right. was a
0: huge place that they had to defend. Um, oh, I've
1: been there a couple of times.
0: Yeah, well, that all you're seeing is the one little mission that right. wasn't right. the whole Alamo then. I, <laughs> I've right. been there as well. That's just the standing, um the piece that's standing. But it was a huge and impossible to defend. At that point, it wasn't clear if the entire... um independence movement was going to happen yet it happens after that to some extent i don't want to say it's manufactured that was a real battle they were really fighting and things like that but it was a group that was told maybe you ought to come inward more and didn't and there's all these things going on that's interesting outside of the politics of it to the politics of it uh, 1844 election jackson is influential as an ex-president in determining the politics of the democratic party his party so an ex-president influencing a party. Hmm, interesting thing. In that he handpicked James K. Polk versus his own VP, Martin Van Buren, who he was disappointed with. And one of the things among many, uh, you know, he just didn't like the British. I mean, Jackson did not like the British.
1: Well, he fought them. He fought them,
0: and he, <laughs> he was treated badly as a teenager and things like that. And, and he didn't trust them. He wasn't particularly great on the French either. He would get into get a whole thing where he'd demand money and get it from the French during his presidency. But and Sam Houston was saying, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna move soon. Texas very well could have either stayed a country, but particularly stayed a country." Uh, aligned, not really part of the empire of Britain, but aligned with Britain for its existence, and that could have been a real viable wow. thing. Didn't have to become an American state. And Sam Houston was leading. Sam Houston desperately wanted it to be a U.S. state, but his opponents in Texas, the other party in the Republican of, Te- of the Republic of Texas, particularly President Anson, is the big one behind that. Wanted either uh, England, France, or both. <laughs> And there were English and French. There's still to this day in Austin, a French, uh, you wouldn't call it a consulate uh, oh. that goes all the way back to when it was this tiny little um, town uh, and uh, they were building a country and it basically went to Jackson and said, if we don't get some, if we don't get a, a state here, we're going to go with these other countries. Jackson didn't want because if Britain got Texas or influenced <laughs> Texas, they probably also would have. Worked with Mexico to end slavery there. Big Wonderful Thing A History of Texas by Stephen Harrigan. It is a big, wonderful book. I can't read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but I have read bits of part of it, and one that really got my attention is the um, relationship between the early Republic of Texas and France and a little story. You start with a little scuffle that happens between France and Mexico, and that's in 1838. And it starts with a pastry shop in Mexico City, owned by a Frenchman, that is destroyed when there are riots in the street. An insurrection that occurs in Mexico, which was just common during the early part of this country's history. The French have claims, and there's bargaining back and forth between diplomats. Eventually, the French say it goes from like one pastry shop to you owe us 600,000 pesos. Which I haven't done the calculation, but I'm sure that's a lot of money in this time. Mexico says absolutely not. A French fleet comes and bombs Veracruz. Who fights it off? A young general leads the counterattack. His name's Santa Ana. He's shot off his horse by a French cannon, chatters his leg, and he becomes a hero in the country. And just before he was a national disgrace because he had tried to put down a rebellion in the what was then the northern part of Mexico, Texas, and he was captured forced to sign a document proclaiming their independence, and eventually released with American help. Now he's a hero again. Well, the Republic of Texas is not that old at this time, but they are seeking other countries that they can do business with, and one of them is France. Imperial France at this time, they pushed for recognition. It is granted pretty quickly. France recognizes the new Republic of Texas. And they negotiate a treaty where they're going to accept Texas cotton at a certain tariff rate. And Texas is going to accept French silks, French wine. They send over a diplomat, Alphonse Bois de Salgene. He uh, comes with money. Very good. And he builds this beautiful legation building. In in Austin, Texas, which is the new capital, the capital had been Washington on the Brazos, where independence is first declared. But now, after their hero, Stephen Austin, they're declaring the new capital, Austin, Texas. But oh, not unlike our own capital when it began, it's a muddy group of wooden houses. The president's house, they make it with this new green wood that's so terrible that the house is actually shrinking. And President Sam Houston cannot stay there it's uh he has to stay in a boarding house i mean it's a um so this french legation building is going to be one of the more beautiful structures in the new city people are excited about it but dubois while this is being constructed has to take residence in a rented house he likes gardening he likes to have certain vegetables in his food and he likes them fresh so he has a garden he has servants He has nice linens in his home. It's well-decorated. And next to him is a hog farmer named Richard Bullock. Well, he doesn't have much control of his hogs, and the hogs scrape through the Frenchman's fence, and they get to his vegetables and start eating them. This makes Dubois mad. But it's not just that. Eventually, they break in again, and after the hogs are done with the vegetables... They go after his nice bed and liddens and start eating that. Then they start eating even some papers, important papers of state. He's mad. And he tells his servant, the next time you see those hogs, kill them. Hogs come in and the servant shoots them. Richard Bullock is mad. And he sees the servant who did it on the street and beats him with a walking stick. This is outrageous, Dubois says. It's a violation of the League of Nations. This starts what the papers call the pig war. In terms of Texas papers, they side with Bullock. Viva la pigs, one headline says. Go it, Texas, reads another. There's no war. There's no actual shooting. But Dubois does not become a very cooperative diplomat. And... When French papers see the accounts of what's going on in Texas and how their diplomat was treated, there's no support anymore for much uh, to do with Texas. And, you know, what was on the table was a $5 million loan that could have greatly enhanced the new republic. Sam Houston wasn't always president of the Republic of Texas. He actually had four presidents. Um, one of them was Mirabeau Lamar. Um, Lamar really wanted to reach out to other countries, and keep Texas independent, the backing of France might have um, been helpful. It was certainly seeking Britain's acceptance and recognition, and even the help of these countries, because they were having a heck of a time dealing with Mexico. In fact, there's going to be an invasion of Mexico that happens in 1840. An invasion by Mexico of Texas, which they never recognized officially um, in 1842. And they're going to capture San Antonio briefly. They're going to have some skirmishes back and forth. Texans under uh, Sam Houston orders an invasion of Mexico then. It's very brief, just across the Rio Grande River. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of fighting back and forth. Various people captured and, and killed. There's going to be fighting out west between Mexico and Texas yeah uh, over the new mexico territory and because of the incidents you know maybe you didn't have the type of support that they needed from at least one major european power that may have made it unnecessary for texas to become a state the french legation was eventually built in austin and it remains there today you can go visit it if you're in austin they have various events there they try to promote understanding between texans and france and they have even classes and other
2: events. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Get those guys on the okay. podcast okay. because they're, they're really great. They're very detailed and they have the research. But in America, we love our myths. Uh, Every country does, doesn't it? You know, I mean, uh, Storm the Bastille, uh, you know, Britain's never, never, never will be slaves, Trafalgar, the defeat of Napoleon, the defense of Western, I mean, every country has its myths that it lives by. Uh, But we're living in an age, too, where not only the myths uh, are being, or the statues, too, are being torn down. But it's the very idea that there is truth. And mm-hmm. Trump really poured gasoline on this. I mean, you can tell people that the, the vaccines could save your life and they'll tell you, no, it's a, a microchip developed by Fauci in, in partnership with the, uh, Bill Gates. You, you, you know, he could say one thing one day and then the next day say, I never said that. And.
0: I think that it was always going on too. Look, you, you remember there was always uh, any um post office in um, in America or any kind of uh, during election season reaching voters and you would see the Lyndon LaRouche table.
1: All oh, right, right, right.
0: And I always thought, my god, some guy is actually spending their afternoon doing this. But you know, I th- I feel like they never reached much purchase. And you know, yeah. I, on the left you'd probably have the the one of the many communist or socialist parties, uh, but, but now
1: it's an entire party.
0: Yeah, I think that the social media is what did it. Like social media is reinforcing and gives people that that reinforcement they need if they're seeing, you know, hey, yeah, this could be true. Or like you said earlier, like you can't say it's not. You can't prove a negative.
1: Yeah, you don't know it. For Are you? Fact. And then you yeah. have
0: to be a super scientist. To like, Well, no, I don't happen to be a microbiologist. They're kind of hard to find. Um, but I know, oh, then you're talking medical without, I think like... A, I,
1: I know, but for, for, you know what, I, to me, I, it goes back to me again, to the whole Iraq war thing, mm-hmm. where, um, who was it, Ron Siskind or somebody in the White yes. House? He was told, uh, oh, you're in the reality-based community, and That's while right. you're sitting there trying to figure out what's happening in reality. We're creating reality a step ahead of you so you can study us, meaning that it's the action that, that, that takes place that will create the reality that you're studying.
0: Yes, right, and you'll so, be catching so, up. I still wonder. What do you think on that? Is that Rove or is that Rumsfeld?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd always heard it was Rove, but uh, sounds like Rove, but I, but I don't know. But that was that was the time when I went. Oh my God! And then you saw all these people, even after we went to Iraq and we found nothing, which was. You know, what I was saying, there was no evidence to find anything. But I remember I, I I had Neil Cavuto on a radio show on Sirius. And he said, oh, we'll find something. Oh, we're still looking. You know, it could be buried. Remember we found those those MIGs that were mm-hmm. buried in the sand? He's probably got it buried in the sand somewhere. But it was like a madness. And even a year later, you had Sean Hannity saying, oh, we found it. Meaning what they found were caches of mustard gas that the UN had gathered and marked and sealed, to because we knew they, that he had mustard gas at one time, but it was old, rusty canisters of mustard gas. And then he said, "Oh, we found the WMD. Must we go to war for mustard gas?" And and then they said, "Oh, it's in the back of Al." Oh. Well, I saw them, they were moving it on trucks into the back of valley. But nobody ever goes back and says, even with Trump, Trump says, oh, I was against the war. He's a public figure. He's well reported upon. There is not one iota of evidence of him saying either before the war or in the first few months that he was against it, perhaps maybe a year later or so, or, you know, or, or longer.
0: It reached 50-50 in Gallup polls, the war, uh, do you support the war, right as Kerry was taking the stage in Boston in 2004. That's when it ebbed. Um And, um yeah, I mean, no, I totally see what you're saying. And the real tragedy is, even within a war context, not only was it a tragic war in many ways, but it pulled from another, we were already at war. And I know, I mean, what I've read that Tommy Frank's The General, at the time was are, are you kidding me?" you know And then actually they went to do Iraq right after 9/11 and then somebody uh, maybe it was even Bush at that point was like, no, no, we're not going to do it yet, but didn't take long.
1: Too. I know, but they pulled they pulled all their focus from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Where if they had initially really stayed in Afghanistan in the beginning? and really subdued the Taliban and the countryside. If we had put our attention, we spent a trillion dollars in Iraq, Mm. you know. And if anything, Iraq was a a buffer against uh, the Ayatollah in Iran, you know.
0: I think that's true. I mean,
1: I kept saying on the radio, I said, you get rid of Saddam Hussein, hey, you know who's going to be cheering us on? The Ayatollah. And the uh, prime minister of Iraq the first official visit outside the country was he went to Iran and laid a wreath on the Ayatollah Khomeini's grave, and you had Bush going Sunnis and Shiites. What's the difference? I mean, huge come on,
0: difference. <laughs> huge and uh, and it, mean, it's uh, yeah, I think so. You played those games, but you know the early successes in the. Uh, 2001 campaign in uh, Afghanistan, some of the special forces victories. We were winning in some right. cases with, bu- with buckets full of money. We were winning with uh, special forces going in right. there disguised right. and working with the the Northern Alliance <sighs> And maybe you would have had to send troops, but you really converted the whole thing to a definite boots on the ground and probably not enough and probably not equipped. There's all those issues. Absolutely. Your prediction came true in a sense because uh, the, the, the power vacuum was obviously filled well, by other folks.
1: Do you remember this name? Mullah Omar. You know, yes. You remember, he was one of the guys that we went in, you know, to capture and and say he was responsible for giving uh, Al Qaeda the shelter and around. Mullah Omar is still leading the Taliban. You know, he's still around. Mm-hmm. And the other guy who the number two under uh, Osama bin Laden, Zawahiri is his name. He's a doctor. He's still alive. So some- I never heard of whatever happened to him. He was the number two guy in Al Qaeda, Ali Zawahiri. You know, I mean, then, no, from what I, I was, remember, all these names. You know, I, I mean, listen. You know what happened to me? I I was willing to accept the fact that maybe Saddam Hussein maybe he did have WMD, and he did at one time. We know in Alabja where he gassed the Kurds. He had uh, he had uh, chemical weapons then. But in that, remember Andy Card said. In the summertime of 2002, they, the Bush White House went silent. There was nothing about uh, Iraq or Sodom. And Andy Card famously said, you don't sell new products in the summertime. You sell them in the fall. So, so wait a second. You had the atom bomb. Then you have Dick Cheney on Meet the Press saying that uh, Mohammed Atta met with Iraqi intelligence in Prague. It didn't happen. Rumsfeld later on in the month says Oh, we you know, we found um, in northern Iraq, in the Kurdish area, we found this terrorist group. Um, oh, the guy is still alive, too. He's in Norway or Sweden. Uh, Mullah Cracker. Anyway, this was a terrorist group that was trying to overthrow Saddam Hussein. I
0: think that, too, it's... Uh... The two, 20, um, 2002 midterm. Now, it's relevant uh, definitely for history because there's the midterm ten the trend where a president loses seats from their own party in the House almost every time in the first term. And it's it's probably going to happen to Biden. I, and I, I can't be a responsible political historian and not look at that trend and say, you're hanging on to the House by, by what is it, like three or four or five seats or so, um, you know, almost every year and not only that levels. the
1: republicans have the right to gerrymander the states where they that they control
0: pretty pretty much in their control a couple of governors that might be at best like at pennsylvania might best veto something but it's generally yeah going to be theirs to swing 2002 you know that should have been a uh you generally would have seen in opposition seats but there was such an attack on patriotism of politicians at the time right of course right. pushing the patriot act and the War authorization. I don't think anyone signing that or voting for that authorization knew how long it was going to be continued uh, to be used for. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot there. I just think, I know it's American amnesia too, but, but I also do think that it, what was missing that happened in other historical times is just a, you know, a kind of, um, more investigation and
1: more, uh. Well, well let me, all right, let me ask you, let me throw this in there. How does this country go from george bush who's a fairly and i don't think he's an evil person but i think he's he was callow inexperienced on incurious you know he'd only been outside of the country once your father is the director of the cia has friends all over the world and you don't want to travel to europe and and see the rest of the world or or go off. Well, I to, think
0: that up until yeah, with Bush, up until by his own admission, really, up until he uh, forty or what have you, you know, he's pretty much a
1: party boy, party
0: boy, wasting <laughs> time, president's son, and he, by his own admission, spent. Know. you know it was he,
1: it was really it was the Dick Cheney White House. Let's let's. I think, uh, like, there's most, a mix
0: there. It. I'm willing to go that there's a mix there. Like, I don't want to go as far as the Saturday Night Live bit or whatever with, with Cheney and the Beater shirt, but, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I, I think there was somewhat of a mix, but but really, you're talking about generally two people who wanted to go to the same place anyway, so it's almost a non... All right. uh,
1: but wait, wait. Let, let me get back to my point. Yeah, go ahead, to to So, later. how did we go from so, Bush... So, how, to, how do we go from Bush to Obama to Trump? I mean it's just it's just how does the same country elect those three different people now
0: we're under a constitution but we always act like a confederation we're a patchwork country we've always been there's there's 50 states in a lot of cases that couldn't be more different from each other which you know uh, there's cities and urbans and so it's really it 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 is what it really is it's it's um uh
1: schizophrenic one team has the
0: most points in one game and the other team has the most points in the other uh game and there's some switching like i know like obama particularly in 2008 did very well in certain north dakota counties that democrats couldn't um get votes from but still uh you know but when you got to 2012 that was receding but it's a patrick country and and you know we we uh at different times, yeah, there was more, uh, you know, look, I mean, 2008, I think a thing to remember is that the, it was a lot to do with the economic crash. It's unclear to me. Oh, that's true. I mean, you probably would have seen an Obama victory, but McCain and Palin initially, Palin, especially upon her launch, was a big boost in the polls for that ticket and put him up. And again, but when you had the economic crash, oh, it was over, particularly how, it was handled by the candidate. Like McCain, just did not do a good job with that. Even Bush in his memoir. But
1: how, how did um, how did Romney lose to Obama? Well, I think uh, incumbents
0: win unless there's a uh, the economy was on the rise, and I think generally in history incumbents win unless there's a real reason for them not to. Uh, And and the economy is a major reason and it's the trend in the economy. In addition to the currency of the economy, I believe there was no challenge in the party to Obama the way that Carter was challenged by Kennedy. He had a solid party for him. Uh, You had, um, um, you know, enough. uh, There was at least a signature achievement, if not. uh, Really, if you look at uh, Osama bin Laden and Obamacare, there were two things that you could say were right. identifiable achievements. Now I'll go I'll I could be critical of Obama as well. I, I think that second term, I think it was just sitting around waiting for the next go round. Oh, well, I partially well, how, an answer how, to your question. I know, I but, why, he lost, but he did, lost but um, he
1: lost Congress.
0: You know I agree with that too. I agree with that too. But even in pushing for things and um um pushing for legislation, I think it was a uh, uh um you know a very uh modest effort in the second, in the oh. second term. That's to me why partly of the reason why what happened in 2016 happened. It's not only, I think there's always been a bit of negative around Hillary Clinton in New York state in 2000. It was present, but she was able to overcome it. And nationally, I think it's still there in a lot of places. Just like some of it might be the attacks on her, some of it might be look. Except that
1: when she left the administration as Secretary of State, her approval rating was over sixty percent. But between that time and her candidacy,
0: the 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 primaries are where really and the and the, and the
1: I know, but but you had you had. You had the Russians again, and I'm not a big Hillary Clinton, or I wasn't a big, I'm more of a fan now, you know, what made me a Hillary Clinton fan. And I wasn't a big fan before this, watching her sit in front of the house panel for 11 hours, and take the tirades on Benghazi, which was another piece of BS, you know, that it was her fault, you know i mean if anybody's fault you know it, it, it's hard to say it but you know uh the ambassador shouldn't have gone there he shouldn't have gone there it was his choice he wanted to he felt and and he was and there was a general who asked him and said do you do you want more security he turned it down
0: it doesn't he, seem to be an issue that normally is uh, while it's a tragic event, it doesn't seem to be an issue that normally we judge the entire performance of a Secretary of State on right. for a presidency. Right. It sounds like a, it frankly sounded like a. But you know
1: what happened? It was the um, the um, it was the Benghazi hearings that led to the uh, computer memos, which was the scandal that really you know brought uh, helped to bring down her candidacy. There was something revealed in that, that they said, oh, my God, she has a server in her house. I mean, before that, nobody knew.
0: And I think know? that 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 you see, where, you see there, I think, in answer to the question, I think, first of all, I consider we're always looking at incumbent presidents in any election, even when the incumbent's not running. And I think that you're right. Uh, you know, deck of cards Obama got in the second term wasn't there, but it almost doesn't matter. Not a lot was accomplished. Uh, and it even got worse after 2014 when you lose the, uh, Senate as well. So not a lot accomplished there. So you got that. The economy was okay. Um, then you come to things like, uh, is the party, um, at one? Are they united? And Philadelphia 2016, maybe with some disguises that other conventions didn't get to have, some, uh, some like hiding of it and was one of the most disunited political convention since 68, I think, or since, well, maybe 1980s. Oh, it was terrible. And it was, and, terrible, and it
1: was manipulated yeah. by the Russians, who dumped this and dumped the emails, what is it, w- one day or two days before mm-hmm. the election? I tell you this, the Washington Post had the story in June about how uh, the Democrats were hacked, and I believe they, they pointed the finger at the Russians. I put up on Facebook, I said, this is gonna be a bigger story. This has got to be out there. I, in June, I said it, and then in July. Oh, but they played. They played the, uh, the, the, you know, the Bernie supporters, who were were Bernie or nothing.
0: That's definitely, I think, a major factor, right? You, you split the party. But there are two things. One, I always get because I don't know enough to be able to prove things, especially when it gets into electronics and tracking and hacking and tracking who hacked. Let's just say, I mean. Is it really the Russians? I guess we have the intelligence agency saying that was. But someone hacked the most uh, beneficiary, right, could be Russians. Because I know I always get that question when I, when I say it. Someone hacked the Democrats, put it out there, and not only put it out there, but they put it out there with cliff notes. Like, by the well, way, here's part, the...
1: I know. That's the thing. And you know who does know is Julian Assange. Right. right. And we have him. You know,
0: a frequent guest on my history can beat up your pop. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but here's the thing, though, Richard. I this is the thing that does come up because I have some friends who are who are who are far more to the left than, uh, than, than me. And, um, you know, they're they're they have a take on it. Russians, Assange, somebody in their basement, whoever hacked it, you can't take away my feelings. In other words, I read things that they said about Bernie Sanders or things they were going to do to that campaign within the DNC, and you can't take that away. However, it was leaked.
1: I read the emails, too. Go back to the source, Yeah, just as I did with Iraq. Right. I read those emails. There was nothing in them that said this is a rigged primary system. No, 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 of course not. There was nothing in there. But, as you said, the addendums that I believe were put in by Assange and his group, put them in a different light to ignite people uh, to say oh the the old, the worst thing that happened was um uh, what's her name um who's the uh, the woman who's debbie on, wasserman uh, schultz no not her the other one donna brazil donna brazil right before the debate well so listen she did something and it's wrong it was just wrong but she told hillary clinton there's gonna be a question about the death penalty. Now, do you think that's gonna change the course of the debate? I mean, there were two questions, one was about the, I forget what the other one was, but they were questions that anybody should be able to answer off the top of your hat, uh, top of your head, if you're in politics. It wasn't like, here's the cheat sheet, they're gonna try to trick you up, so come up with an answer. Uh, but what Donna Brazil did was wrong. Was wrong. I, I just agree. think,
0: yeah, I think on the, the Brazil and everything else, because I do think e- what ended up with the Podesta emails or the DNC hack was still in, uh, let's just say, it, it plays into people's expectations that, that politics are pure out there. And we know that they're not pure. They're still good if they're not 100% everything's like, like, perfect like you learn in schoolhouse rock or something you know so i think people are shocked shocked that there's gambling in atlantic city you know (laughs) when they hear these things but unfortunately if you're new to politics which a lot of people were, were new to really being involved that year you know then you're and you're seeing that at least there's an unfriendliness let's say some of those emails at least reflected like
1: i'm jane perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former beijing bureau chief for the new york times
0: You know, and my argument, of you're course, right,
1: you're right. my argument would be that,
0: that, yeah, the DNC is not sitting there as a bunch of people with black and white you're stripes right. and a whistle. They are a party. Uh, the Republican Party's the same way.
1: And not only that, Hillary Clinton has been a Democratic candidate by that time for at least 16 years and a mm-hmm. Democratic first lady for eight before that. Bernie Sanders wasn't even a Democrat before all this happened. Uh, these people have had experiences with Hillary. Then, yes, I'm sure underneath it all, they wanted Hillary to win. But there was nothing in terms of shenanigans uh, uh, against Bernie. All of the primary, first of all, those, uh, what do they call it? Uh, caucuses. Caucuses. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that To me, that's a completely ridiculous way to choose a candidate. You could walk over and say, Get the hell over on my side, or I'm going to punch you in the nose. I mean,
0: <laughs> well, it, you know, again, I go back to the. It's like with the Texas thing we were talking about earlier. There's a little bit of um America in that, but uh, no. Or I a think
1: girl he, coming over saying, "Hey, I'll I'll go home with you tonight <laughs> if you come over but, for uh, Hillary, or you come over for Bernie." Hopefully, I mean, it's
0: a job in the weather research department. We hope, but uh, <laughs>
1: but and they're all in a basketball court and they're all trying to. Get people to come from the other side. I mean, this isn't the Acropolis.
0: It's unfair to working people too. They can't get there. They can't stay there all day. It's it's. I, I say you keep it in Iowa. I think there's a tradition. I you know there's there's Carlson's in Iowa. I'm not gonna lie. I, I think it's a tradition now. You keep it in the one state. The rest of this, they got to figure something out that's fairer. But you know, the primaries at least are run by the states. So to say that they're rigged is like, are you saying? So is the state of New Hampshire right. rigged? The state of now again, we were talking about truth before because I think if it's helpful, eventually someone is gonna start saying that. You know. Yes, I believe all the states were rigged, you know, and you saw a little bit of that in twenty twenty. So it's We're saying it now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Trump is saying it. It's, Arizona was rigged, then Georgia was rigged, then
0: it's, and- it's hard to challenge any you know, it's hard to use any logical uh bulwarks anymore because even I say something like that I know that it could be Could be turned. But I guess to me, that's the point of when you talk about why there was a loss and why we switched between three different types of presidents in such a short period of time. I think it's mostly because of that, the split on the left, because you see some of the states and the very uh, in 2016 and the very low amount of votes that changed some of those states. And all right. The one agency that I point to. There's two things that I could point to that and, I, and I'm speaking really not just as a person interested in the politics of this in 2016, but a little bit from history and and what's worked in the past. And there's two things that strike me with 2016 that went wrong specifically for Democrats. And that is um, VP pick Tim Kaine oh, when your awful. problem was on your progressive left and it was acknowledged and you're going to pick. The governor of Virginia state that all the population trends show that there's no catching up there for Republicans. And
1: not only that, he's innocuous. Yeah, he, was he, wasn't, innocu- he
0: wasn't good. I mean, Pence, I felt, beat him in the VP debate. Uh um, yeah. It's just like uh, that's what you're going to do. Now, I'm not saying you, you pick Sanders, but what you have, you have a problem, whether it was your fault or not. You get somebody in a room, you you make sure that sanders is is involved in that pick i wouldn't pick i don't well i really don't know maybe clinton sanders would have carried you in 2016 now that i look at the numbers
1: oh man you you want to know something clinton sanders <laughs> that would have been but then the emails would have come out and it would have been and and it would have made nothing right
0: yeah it's tough to say i think though that at least you know you look the historical th- part of it here well is- she
1: could have picked sherrod brown yeah. who's got very strong what no sherrod no, no, brown no, I, has I agree very i agree strong, yeah. he's he's more moderate than bernie but he's got very strong uh, left wing credentials
0: would have a chance at ohio which would have turned it um uh, and and yeah. if you're if you're winning ohio you're probably winning pennsylvania which is some of the some of the point but unified party is a key to uh to history, right. if someone challenges either Biden or Harris, whoever runs in 2024, and they do a good challenge, they
1: will lose. All right, I want I want to throw something else okay. into the mix here and, and pick your brain on it. Okay. Now I'm living in Florida. Mm-hmm. Florida has 250,000 more registered Democratic voters than Republicans. Mm. Everybody looks at Florida and says, "Oh, it's a it's a blood red state." DeSantis only won by 0.4% the governorship, and he was running against a guy who ended up in a room with cocaine and a gay hooker eventually. So maybe we, well, we didn't miss the bullet because DeSantis is awful. But then you have Rick Scott. So we have 250,000 more Democratic voters. Meanwhile, we have two Republican senators. We have a Republican governor We have both houses of the legislature, uh, and one of them, by two to one, um, overwhelmingly Republican. It just doesn't make any sense.
0: I think one team is winning the splits more often, and then those wins are helping the later wins. Once you have the governorship, that helps you with the other elections. I think Democrats, hmm, an investigation of some of those roles and interviewing some of those people might reveal that they voted for Truman, and that was the last Democrat. No, I, I, well, maybe I encountered maybe. one of those in New Jersey once. So I, so I always remember that it's like you know, uh, it's like yeah, in nineteen forty-eight, I registered.
1: <laughs> well, that was my father. My father, my father didn't vote for a Democrat uh, after Truman. And then right before he died, he did vote for Kerry. I convinced him to vote for Kerry.
0: I mean, uh, Kerry came darn near close. I mean, Kerry was one of the closest uh, uh, losing candidates. Usually the Electoral College in American history is a blowout either way. So you you actually have in 2004 one of the closer ones. Um, It's either going to go one way or the other uh, big with the Electoral College. I mean, that's part of its design. But uh, with the Florida question, there's a couple of things. Well, Florida has a lot of people coming from the Northeast. Very many of them, you know, maybe you're Palm Beach, you're a 2000 crowd, you know, uh, but yourself, uh, you know, are bringing, let's say, New York values down there. But there is a substantial amount, and I think a lot in the latest contingent that might be in that kind of Jacksonville or those parts, some of the new developments that are, right. they might very well be coming from New York State, New Jersey, Connecticut. But if you survey them and talk to them, They're getting away from high taxes. They're getting away from what they consider some city governments, you know, right or wrong, whatever they're, you know, they may not be realizing you got to fund schools and that's why the taxes are, you know, this kind of thing. But it's, it may not be, they may even have a D next to their name. I do believe the state's close. I I just think if you're running a Republican campaign, you absolutely must win it. You will not win the presidency without Florida, never, Uh, has not. Obama done. won it twice. No, 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 as a Republican. You oh, cannot right. win. But what I'm you saying
1: cannot. is Obama won it twice, you know? Yeah, no, you yeah, and you then,
0: can't win as a Republican without Florida. New and then
1: tr- Trump won it uh, twice, you know? so
0: It's one that you're going to win if you're winning elsewhere anyway. You know, you're winning right. Arizona, Georgia, or whatever, and then Florida falls in because Biden-Harris did something that's so popular that they're winning winning the election anyway, the Florida could be folded in. I just don't think it's a difference-maker state for Democrats. You have a lot of, um, I think Trump did very well in Miami-Dade in 2020, which was interesting. That was a whole... That was
1: Hispanics, uh, the, the Cuban vote, the too, Cuban right? The Cuban vote, and, and... Venezuelans, And yeah.
0: Venezuelans, yeah, and other countries. So they're seeing kind of the... I don't know with that. I question that one. I think that could be something where you have to be in the White House to benefit from that. Cause in the White House, there's a certain amount of foreign policy moves that you can make. They can no longer dangle things like that if they're not in the White House. So it's, that's, that's what I say about Florida. You know, on the, on the other <laughs> hand, Ohio looks like, uh, I run the numbers. I run the counties. I, I can't see it. It would be very difficult. Maybe if they ran Sherrod Brown for the top of the ticket. Otherwise, I don't think uh, Democrats winning Ohio. Um,
1: and w- wasn't Ohio the bellwether? State? It was. Wasn't there wasn't there a time no president has ever no candidate has ever won the presidency without Ohio? Just uh, right?
0: JFK in nineteen sixty. That's it. And very close. That was another thing in twenty sixteen. Early on, I was actually on this cast with with this fellow Chris, and I was like, I keep hearing them saying we're probably going to lose Ohio. Oh. You're just going to lose Ohio. I mean, it's a trend that something was going on. Right. The hacking and all this other stuff definitely was going on. There, were, I, I do believe that there were some political factors on the ground. Heck, I think Bill Clinton was telling them, get over to Michigan. Start hitting, you know. Right. <laughs> it, this has been great talking to you, by the way, Richard. I appreciate I've it. I
1: always love talking. Yeah, it's so rare to find someone. Who knows more than me. About <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and and who I can learn from and you are it, you know? And
0: uh I tell people I'm like the plumber. And then of course someone told me on Twitter, please use a different metaphor. But I said, No, <laughs> I'm not talking about the really bad plumber jobs. All right, just the pipes, all right. I'm like the plumber. I am just working. Like I-, I uh I have a uh I see political question and I want to answer it and I only know what I research.
1: But are we living in an era this will be my final question to you. Sure. Are we living in an era where there's a new paradigm? I mean, everybody said, "Oh, Biden, it's a return to normalcy." Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't returned to normalcy as much as as much as he stands there and tries to reassure us that his friends are the Republicans and that we're all going to be fine and work together. And I know this country has gone I mean, the, the 60s were a divisive time, and I'm sure, so. uh, and both 60s, <laughs> <laughs> the 18 and the uh, Very 1960s. true there, yeah. You right. you go <laughs> to
0: the 1860s, and everything is the same, <laughs> everything, to the point I found that they had a woke club, they had wide-awake clubs.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, they walked around with torches. I mean,
0: and then you had in the south... Uh, you, know, you didn't have you didn't have similar groups, but no, they wanted they they wanted to use uh, uh, chloroform and uh, put the w- wide awakes to sleep, so it's like <laughs> you know I mean, and then you had violence in the capitol, you had fighting among congress members oh president and and, and well, uh and Charles so he
1: almost killed one yeah,
0: yeah, I mean he, um, and not only that, people who tried to intervene were held back. And threatened with violence. like So you see in that time. But okay, you're going back to the 1860s. So people could say, well, then it still is a very different time. I still believe that there's always been a lot of conflict. We're just kind of a – show me the time when the other side laid down, uh, when the Democrats just let the Republicans win or when the Republicans just let the Democrats win. All that's really different is that there's a little bit more parity between populations and something must be going on with rural, urban, exurban and political affinities.
1: So this era that we're living through is not some new American
0: I just remember why I remember being in Pennsylvania in nineteen eighty eight and seeing this flyer in the Poconos that was posted to uh I think we were getting ice cream or something. Because I was more interested in ice cream than politics then, and maybe maybe I should have stayed with the ice cream. But put that aside. <laughs> and there was this thing about it. It showed Bush, and it had all this nice stuff about him, and the caucus, and and everything was the worst kind of um, evil conspiracy stuff. You could things that he didn't say, and everything like that, and the Willie Horton, and all that. And it was posted with a piece of tape on paper. So perhaps to me, the technology. Has driven a lot of this. The the intents were still there. Feelings were still there. Um, there was an emotional attack, an emotional decision made in 1988. Not a consideration of who was the greatest, uh, the most graceful president that could could be in the in the White House. So I think like some of it is this, there, but technologies bring more of that out. Technologies um. affect, for instance, the whole media. They're all going to Twitter to get their stuff. So. Obviously, they see someone putting things out on a regular basis in Twitter. It affects the coverage. They can coverage can be challenged now in a way that in the TV era maybe it wasn't as easy. There weren't as many voices. New things are going to happen, or new ways of of doing. Po- Look at the 2000 election and the various the way that the recount was run in Florida, how that one vote was stopped in Miami. Vale. Like I think you see, either that was the beginnings of something. Where yeah. you kind of had this, 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 or was it always there, just not always visible?
1: I've always seen the link between that and January sixth. Except that the Brooks Brothers riot to halt the vote counting, mm-hmm. and then you was was more. It was Brooks Brothers. They were all, and some uh, of
0: them were staffers. Many of them were staffers. congressional Yeah, yeah. And they the were all re- suit
1: and tie guys. If you had not seen that poster and you said you you should have been more interested in ice cream you would be running a podcast my pistachio can beat your rocky road (laughs) and 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 the world would be so different i think it's just always a pleasure to talk to you congratulations on 15 years but i always learn something you know and i there are times i go uh, oh my god i thought i i thought i knew this backwards and forwards but
0: well richard i'm honored to i'm honored to, to have you say that and i really do appreciate your listening to the show and it's a big uh, it's a big morale booster for me to have you on
1: oh well it was my pleasure totally my pleasure